The Bible says, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Give a portion to seven, and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth, and if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the cloud shall uh, not reap. As thou knowest not, what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand, for thou knowest not whether uh, shall prosper either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. Let's pray and we'll get into the message tonight. Father, I love you. God, I do thank you for this day. I do thank you for our church. I pray that you would give me wisdom. I pray that you would give me clarity of mind. Lord, I pray that you would empty me of myself, fill me with your spirit. And God, I do pray uh, that you would speak to our hearts and help us, Lord, as we just uh, continue on in your word. And we thank you for your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. Of course, um, our theme for this year is let us do good. Galatians 6.10, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Anybody been working on it? They can quote it. Miss Nina? No, I haven't yet. Okay, all right. So I have to get my candy sticks out. So I'll have to update my candy. I mean, Valentine's Day just happened. So there's relatively fresh candy that I can get for cheap uh, at Walmart, you know, right now. So in that one aisle of Walmart. So maybe I'll have to stockpile it if you memorize Galatians 6 10. But you know what? Truthfully, um, that's the, there's no secret to doing good. It's It's looking for opportunity, and you know what? When you look for opportunity, you're going to find opportunity, yeah. amen? Yeah. And then it's it's deciding whether or not you're going to participate in that. Now, last week, we looked at the rise and fall of Solomon, uh, of course, who is the author of Ecclesiastes. He's the wisest man that ever lived, and he let it go to his head. And for years, the wisest man who ever lived wasted everything that God had given him. And uh, while Proverbs, he wrote in his youth to, uh, and it's a book of wisdom, and we look to Proverbs all the time, Ecclesiastes is also a book of wisdom, but it's a book of wisdom, um, you could say he learned it from the school of hard knocks, he learned it from experience. And he gets to the end of his life, and he's an old man, and, he, and this is not a, the, a list of Proverbs, this is, a, this is a sermon, this is set up like a sermon. He actually calls himself the preacher over and over again. But, and so the, last week we talked about Solomon. We talked about the first, you know, really the first nine chapters of the book. He goes on and laments a life without God. And at the end of chapter nine, he concludes wisdom, verse number 16, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. The words of the wise man are heard in quiet more than the cry of him that ruleth among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of warfare but one sinner destroyeth much good. And we're not necessarily preaching on that, but he did conclude that wisdom was better. Now, in chapter 10, he begins to give us some of the wisdom uh, that God has given him, uh, and he is going to share it at the end of his life um, with those who are coming behind him. In chapter 10, he, he outlines some things, but in chapter 11, we are given, he begins chapter 11 by giving five principles about charity uh, and how we treat others and how we give towards others. Now, we've been going through 
sort of, not every single Sunday night, but we've been going through how to do good from A to Z. And so we looked at action uh, one week. And, and you know what? Part of it is just deciding, amen? Deciding to be a part of it. Faith without works is dead, being alone, James chapter 2. And then B, we looked at building people up or edifying people. And so uh, last week we began a part one uh, for casting your bread upon the waters. That's the letter C. And we really defined that. Um, ca- that first verse, Ecclesiastes 11.1, 1, Cast thy bread upon the waters. For thou shalt find it after many days. Now, this isn't talking about feeding ducks, all right? Uh, I, I love to feed ducks. I actually like to feed fish. That's cooler than feeding ducks. Just watching all those fish come up to the top and eat everything. And, you know, and, and not to catch them, although I'm not against you catching fish. It's just, I don't know, there's something cool about watching these giant mega fish come up to the top of the water and eat your, eat your, eat your bread or whatever. And, uh, and all the fishermen are going, yeah, then I'd like to get a, a line out. But the problem is, once you stick that line in the water, they all go away, don't they? So anyway, they're smart. They're smart. So, uh, but we see these f- five principles. We looked at the first one, which is cast your bread upon the waters. And here's what that means. It is a, it's, a, it's talking about, listen, you sow, even when there seems like there will be no benefit, because undoubtedly there will be a great harvest. And so they didn't use the modern farming methods that we use today, back in those days. And so even the land that would flood, they would sow seed on it. Why? Because when the water would recede, there'd still be some of it that would take root and they would still get a harvest from it. And so uh, they, this was no doubt a reference, you know, if you read commentaries on this passage, uh, you know, they go back and forth about what he's trying to portray here. Most of them say he's trying to portray farmers along the Nile River and they would throw their seed out uh, even when the river was overflown. That way when it, when it would wash back, some of that would still go in. Because, you know what, truthfully, you can't control the harvest. You can just control your output, right? right. And so the, the idea there is so even when there seems like there will be no benefit because undoubtedly there will be a harvest. Have you ever... Uh, have you ever helped somebody and felt like, man, I am wasting my money? <laughs> okay, everybody probably has it at some point. Or, or, or this one, I am getting taken advantage of by helping this person. But I don't think that'll hurt you in the long run. No, I, I'm, I'm not saying give 20 bucks to everybody that asks you for money. And, and I understand you can't do that. What I am saying is, I, I don't think it'll hurt you. If, if, even if the person isn't, you know, isn't what they say they are, you know, and they say, I need 20 bucks for gas and you give them 20 bucks and, you know, they walk the opposite direction from the gas station. And you're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I did that. The point is, uh, we, may not, we may not see the benefit that we think, but there will be a harvest eventually. And so, you know, we need to, Jesus said it like this in Luke chapter six, verse 38. He said, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down shaken together and running over and shall men give into your bosom for with the same measure that ye meet with all it shall be measured to you again i've heard lots of preaching on this principle um and for obvious reasons right because you know pastors love money right no i'm just kidding <laughs> that was supposed to be a joke y'all can laugh okay thank you help me out here but but i've heard a lot of pre but th- there's a biblical truth there god will deal with you how you deal with him and how you deal with others. And if you give God, I'm going to give you the line, the bare minimum that I have to do. He'll bless you, but he's going to meet out what you have meted. 
And by the way, you know what? It's, it's, I don't think it's just talking about money. Hey, I want to love people like I want someone to love me. I want to treat other people like I want someone to treat me. You know what? If, I, if, if I'm helping a, uh, if we as a church are helping, helping a widow, I want to treat her like I would want my wife to be treated if she was a widow someday. And you know what the Bible's talking about? Listen, anything that we do, whatever we measure out, it's going to be measured back. And there's some people that, that, you know, that I don't know if the reason God has withheld blessings is because they're so stingy with God. I understand you've got to live your life on a budget. I, don't, I understand we're not even necessarily talking about money here, although that's a part of it. But, you know, folks, listen, I, I believe this with all my heart. Given it shall be given unto you. Right. Uh, I actually, I got a text this afternoon uh, from Brother Reiser over in Princeton. He we have a, a preacher group chat. There's five or six preachers on it in the area. And uh, they just usually send either goofy stuff or, you know, conspiracy theories or great things that happen in church. One of the three. But today was a great thing that happened in church. He said we had a missionary. He, he, he started out the headline with, it said, crazy story. And I was like, okay, this is, uh, I can't wait to see where this goes. So, uh, but he said, we, we had a missionary in church today. And I had his love offering written and an envelope sealed and sitting on my desk. And he said, I was, in, you know, I, was, I was there, and he goes, I just felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, you need to give the guy more than you have written down. So he's like, I went to my office, I, I grabbed his love offering, and I ripped the, the, the check, and I was just going to write him a check for more. And he said, less than five minutes later, uh, the missionary comes walking in with an envelope in his hand from the parking lot. He had gone out to his car. He comes walking in with an envelope in his hand and says, um, I was in the parking lot, and some guy pulled up and handed me this envelope and said to put it in the offering for church that day and he's like so he goes i we put it in the offering plate and he goes after church the guys were counting and they opened that guy the envelope don't know who it was from and there's a cashier's check for five thousand dollars in there just some random guy driving by decided uh, you know and he said it happened he said it, I, I was trying to figure out the timing of it he said it couldn't have happened more than five minutes after i ripped up this check and wrote a bigger check for the missionary and you know what, folks, you know what the point is there? Amen. When you're obeying God, God blesses. Amen. Now, he doesn't always bless instantly. And it doesn't always mean that if you do something, you're going to get a $5,000 cashier's check tomorrow in the mail. All right? I mean, we understand that. Well, one of my, a few minutes later, one of my other pastor friends texted back, and he said, man, I've been standing outside in front of my church ripping up checks for an hour now, and nothing's <laughs> happened. So... But the, the truth is, I mean, that's a, that's a real-life testimony from today. Yeah. Given it shall be given unto you. We, we, we taught that a few weeks ago in church. We ought to take care of our missionaries. Why? Because I believe God blesses a church that takes care of their missionaries. Yeah. I 100% wholeheartedly agree with that. Hey, you know what? I mean, I'm, I'm not... Um, by the way, sometimes the blessings of God are hard to judge, all right? But in September, we had Missions Month. Do you know since, since our Missions Month at church, our missions giving has gone up dramatically? And did you know we've had 21 visitors in between January 14th and today? And not because we're doing a lot of extra soul winning? I mean, how does that happen? You cast your bread upon the waters, and God decides what their return will be. And it can't be anything other than that. It's, it's not because, you know what, in the, the, the coldest month of the year, we're going out and knocking extra doors trying to get people to come to church. It's not because we're having an outreach or a spring program. I mean, we haven't been doing anything, folks, as far as extra above 
other than the only thing I can conclude is God blesses a church that does what he wants them to do. Amen. Given it shall be given unto you. And I believe that applies to many other things. Now, we're going to look at the other four principles tonight. And we're going to continue this and we're going to try to finish up. And man, I am looking at the time. If I preach fast and you listen well, we may even get out a couple of minutes early. All right. Verse number two, give a portion to seven and also to eight. For thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. Now, sometimes if we, something so simple, we can make it complicated and say, what is this saying? Seven is the number of completion in our Bible. It is God's number. It is the number of, uh, always the number of completion. And there's a, there's a twofold idea here in verse number two. The first part is, we should not refuse another avenue to be a blessing to others because we think we have done enough. All right, so seven is the number of completion. And sometimes if we're not careful, we'll do and we'll help and we'll, we'll, we'll help this person and, and we'll be willing to do this and we'll be willing to do this. And we'll get to the point where we say, okay, I've done enough for a while. I'm going I'm to back off. What Solomon is trying to teach us here is, hey, if you're going to do it for seven, you ought to do it for eight. You just ought to do one more. Just one more. You know, in, in, uh, uh, when you're learning how to hike or something like that and do, do, do whatever, what they teach you is, hey, if you can just do a certain amount of more steps and just tell yourself, I can do 20 more, you can just keep doing more, can't you? Why? Because if you can do 20 more, you, that's, if you, can, you say, I can't do a thousand, preacher. Okay, we'll do one more. And, and, so, and the Bible's teaching us not to limit ourselves by what we think is enough. I'll be honest with you, I've been there sometimes. You just, you just get to a point where you just help people and you've been nice and you've been kind and you've been trying, and especially when you're working with the same person yeah. and you've helped them over and over and over and over again and you get to seven times, you know, and you're just like, okay, I'm done. The Bible's teaching us, listen, don't limit your abilities by you thinking that what you're doing is enough. I understand we all have to, we all can give differently, we all can do differently, we all can be a blessing to others differently, but you know what, don't limit your charity by what you think is enough. The next thing is, there, there's an always opportunity for me to do more for Christ. If I want God to deal with me better than I deal with Him, I would do well to examine how I deal with Him. You know, if I want, if we're going back to Luke 6, 38, if I want God to give to me and, be, and bless me and be, be abundantly with me, what is my attitude towards God? And, and how do, do I give God the bare minimum of my time and the bare minimum of my talent, the bare minimum of my treasure, and expect God to give me everything? You know, I just expect God to back up the truck and dump out his blessings on me when I am so stingy with him on everything. Like, God, I, I, I drove 37 minutes to church this morning. I went to Sunday school. I went to morning service. I drove 37 minutes back home. I got stuck in an accident, so that was actually 42 minutes back home, God. See how much I've done for you. If that's how we treat God, and I'm sure that nobody in here does that, but that is the same kind of measure that's going to be measured back to you. And you know what? By the way, that's a, it's a biblical principle. Now, here's what he's also saying. For thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. Okay? So don't limit what you can do because you don't know how often you're going to be able to do it. You know, and I don't know how often I'm going to have money to be able to give to somebody. If America ever does become a truly socialist nation, we're not going to have as much as we have now. So I shouldn't waste my opportunities that I have now because of there could be evil tomorrow. Martin Luther said, if I knew the world was going to end tomorrow, I would still do my good deeds and plant a little apple tree. 
you know what? And, and it's kind of a goofy statement, but the, truthfully, there, there's, some, there's, some, there's, some, there's some truth to that. Hey, we should still do right just because it's right to do, and we shouldn't just wonder, okay, well, this is an election year, preacher. You know, in November, uh, there could be something bad happen. Yeah, and there possibly could. But if I just say, well, I'm just going to hold off on, on being a blessing to others today because of what could happen tomorrow, I limit what I can do. I'm not, I'm not saying you not, don't have a wise financial plan. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is this year, if you're, if you're so consumed on what could happen eventually instead of what I can do today, you're, you're limiting what God can do through you. We don't know what... Listen, I don't know what's going to happen in America. I don't. So I should do what I can today. You know what? I, I should come to church while I can. Because you know what? There may come a day where... There's a, there's a group text out that says, hey, we're meeting at so-and-so's garage. Because that's what they do in other parts of the world. And it may come to America. Now, would I like it to come to America? No, I kind of enjoy having church we can meet at. Amen? I kind of enjoy have, being able to put a big sign up there that everybody that drives by can see. Living Hope Baptist Church. I enjoy that. But there's other parts of the world where they could never put a sign out where they meet. You know, so, but you know what? I'm not going to... now. I'm not going to go hide in a hole just because I fear that our, our liberty could be taken away, okay? I know some guys like that. They, they, they want to run a church undercover from the government in America. And there's a group of guys out there like that, and that's fine. They can do whatever they want. They don't want to put their information online, and they don't want to ever LLC their church or incorporate their church because the government shouldn't, you know, can't tell them what to do, and and, and, and there, it's, there's, there are some out there, and you know what, there, some of them are nice guys, and I just, I'm like, you know what, hey, I have the freedom to be public and show everybody that I have a church here, I want everybody to know that it's here, I don't want people to guess what we're doing here, amen, and I don't want them to think we're having some club, I mean, I want people to know this is a church, I'm not trying to hide it, why, because we have the freedom to do so, and so we ought to do it while we have the opportunity, verse number three, if the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree falls towards the south or toward the north in the place where the tree falleth, it shall be. Now, <laughs> that's not real complicated logic, is it? If a cloud has rain in it, guess what's going to happen eventually somewhere on the earth? It's going to rain. If a tree falls, where does it fall? Where it is. <laughs> right? I mean, now, I mean, come on, you know, that's, I, I'm from Kentucky. I can handle that kind of verse, amen? But you know what? Here, here's what Solomon's teaching us. Hey, it's part of our makeup to help others. A cloud filled with rain will eventually dump the rain out somewhere. Why? Because that's its intent. By the way, what way does a tree fall? Down. Yeah, good. Great. <laughs> a tree falls the way it leans, doesn't it? Unless a real bad storm comes through or a tornado or something. But that's not what we're talking about for all you people who can find loopholes. But you know what? Here, here's what the Bible's saying and I believe trying to teach us. You'll help people if it's in your heart to help folks. You know, if it's not in your heart to do it, you're not going to do it when, when you're presented with the opportunity. Because where the tree falls, that's where it falls. So if it falls one direction, it's because that's the way it was leaning. And if it falls this direction, it's because it's the way it's leaning. And if you don't have a heart for others, and your tree falls that way, it's going to be where it is. And I watch some people, they look like they could be the a uh, poster child for the next Charles Dickens novel, and they're Ebenezer Christian. And they're old, and they're mean, and they're miserly, and they're grouchy. Now, they're saved, and they're happy about it, but 
You sure couldn't tell. Why? Because, listen, folks, God designed us to fulfill a purpose. And part of that purpose is he designed us to help others and be a blessing to others. Hey, you know what? You come to church all week long, uh, three times a week, four times a week, four services, whatever it is, and, and you read your Bible every day, and you get full and full and full and full and full and full and full. Hey, a cloud that gets full is going to eventually rain. Uh, I think Proverbs says it this way, the full soul loatheth the honeycomb. Have you ever eaten so much sugar you're just sick? All right, no calling people's names out in church for the chat. <laughs> ice cream doesn't have sugar. You know that, right? Anyway, right, Miss Nina? Yeah, ice cream has no sugar. But you know what? Have you ever eaten so much stuff you just feel, oh, what about regular food? Did you know if you just eat regular food every day and you just sit there on your couch and watch TV, you're going to feel bad after a few days? That's what's wrong with a lot of people in the world. They just sit in their house all day. Just sit there. Just sit. Why? God didn't design our bodies to just sit. Now, I, don't, I, I know I don't look like I'm you know, the poster child for a Richard Simmons workout video either. I understand that. And thank, praise the Lord I'm not. Amen. Can I get a witness? Oh, my goodness. How many of you know what that is? Okay. All right. Anyway, all right. Don't raise your hand. No. I have a funny story about that, but I'm going to. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Larry. My pastor in Ohio, for some reason, he just was obsessed with hating Richard Simmons for whatever reason, I don't know why. And so one day, some guy found a whole stack of VHS Richard Simmons workout videos. And I had a key to the pastor's office. So I opened it and we went in there and we opened up his desk and we filled his desk full of Richard Simmons (laughs) VHS anyway. So he still doesn't know that was me. I hope he never will ever listen to our sermons online. So anyway, uh, he he did find out the guy who actually bought this DVD. But anyway. But you know what, folks, the truth is, the truth is God did not design us to just be spiritually filled all, uh, at church all the time and then not go out and empty ourselves out somewhere. Upon you. And if you're getting spiritual food every week from your Bible reading and from your church going and, you're here, and God's working on your heart and then you're not going out and exercising that, it doesn't do you any good. You know why a bodybuilder needs to eat so much food? Because he's burning all that off. You know, when you're working all day long and you, and you got physical labor, I know, you know, office jobs, we got a lot of office jobs in our world today, and that's, that's different. It's hard, to, it's hard to burn calories sitting at a computer, right? I mean, it is. But you know what? Do you know why, you know why those, those teenage boys come in and they're just like a ravening wolf everywhere they go when they're eating? And they just, and they never stop because they're working so hard, their body needs nourishment. I remember, I, I tried to slow down some on that, but man, when I was a teenage boy, I could eat, you know, I could go to the pizza buffet with your friends to see who can eat the most pizza, and like, this, the, 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 the guy who did the least used like 17 pieces, you know, I mean, they're just chucking it down. Why? Because you're burning off all that energy. You're getting out, and you're running, and you're exercising. Folks, God designed us that when we are filled, to empty out somewhere on this earth. And so, you know what, if you're not doing that spiritually, by the way, you're going to be miserable. You ever just been so full, you're just full? And you just don't feel like doing anything? You're just like, oh, you know, the day after Thanksgiving, you got to get out your day after Thanksgiving pants, right? Because they're just, you just eat too much. Now, we're not going to preach about the sin of gluttony, although that is sin, by the way. But you know what? Truthfully, God did not design us just to eat and 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 never expend. Never, and he didn't design you that way spiritually either. 
Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Your heart is your control center. And you know what? If it's in your heart to help people, when you're given the opportunity and the tree falls where it falls, you're going to help people. Clouds are going to empty themselves. Look at verse number 4. He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the cloud shall not reap. You know what this is teaching us? Give despite the circumstances. He that observeth the wind shall not sow. He that regardeth the cloud shall not reap. Now I'm not talking about if you ever see a bad day and you can't say, okay, this is a bad day, I shouldn't go out and cut my grass. But I, I've owned a lawn care business, and I do know this about lawn care, about anything like that. You can't just go out on the days where it's 75 and sunny. You've got to go out on days even when sometimes it looks like it could rain today. Now, if it's obviously a down, torrential downpour, okay, all right, maybe a bad opportunity. And you know what? Sometimes I've stepped into circumstances, or I've been, I shared one out, sold in a couple weeks ago. Uh, there was these two rather, um, rather hefty women, and they were having a clear argument in their parking, in their driveway. I mean, they, they were, you could tell they were kind of yelling at each other, and I was in the neighbor's driveway. I decided not to go there, all right? All right, because there was a downpour going on there, all right? <laughs> the weather was not good to go talk to them about Christ. And they were just having it out. Now, maybe I should have waited around to see if I needed to call the police. I'm not really sure. But, you know what, truthfully, sometimes you, I'm not saying, you know, any situation ever. But at the same time, if we always are looking at what could possibly happen and making excuses, I think Proverbs says it like this. The sluggard says there's a lion in the streets. Oh, I mean, what does that mean? Oh, there could be something out there that could hurt me. I think I'm just going to go back to sleep today, you know. Now, what's the possibility of a man-eating lion coming down his street and eating him? Not very good. But he's using that as an excuse. Yeah. And you know what, folks? Give despite the circumstances. I Don't spend all your time looking at the potential forecast of what could go wrong. Let's look at verse number 5. As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. You don't know the way of the Spirit. Can anybody tell me how exactly the Holy Spirit works? I mean, we can, we can give Bible verses, but we don't, know, we don't know the way of the Spirit. Can anybody tell me how the bones develop in a child that's inside of its mother's womb? That baffles scientists. Now, you can give, you can give some technical terms and technical definitions and talk about you know, uh, the, the gestation periods and all of that, but I mean, truthfully, they still are amazed at the fact that this little baby... As it grows, bones begin to form, and it's a separate person from its mother. And yet, I mean, folks, it's just an amazing thing. And that's the way God, it's fearfully and wonderfully made. That's how God designed it. But you know what? The, here's what Solomon's saying. Hey, listen, you don't understand the way of the Spirit. You don't understand how a child forms inside of its mother's womb and how the bones grow inside of that child. And you don't understand how God works. You ever just sit there and you're just amazed sometimes at how God works? Amen. I am. By the way, sometimes I'm amazed. I'm amazed at the people God uses. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? It's not because I'm better than any of them. It's just sometimes I've, I know some stories of people, and you're just looking at them, and you're going, God used them? But you know why? Because God doesn't do things the way we like him to do things. He doesn't. God doesn't work in your life the way you always want him to. I guarantee it. If I go around this room and say how many things you're praying about, is God doing everything that you want him to do? Sure he's not. 
But you know what? God is working, and we don't have to understand his ways. We just need to trust him. Amen? Amen. We just need to trust him. But you know what? Uh, I remember a lady walking up to a young man who, and, and giving him $40, and she was an encouragement to him once, and she had no idea how much of a blessing it was to him. The young man was mean. That's all I know. She, she had no idea. I was just, it was down and out. I was discouraged. I was, anyway, had come back and I was back at my home church and it was the first Sunday night that I was back there and nobody knew anything about the situation except for my parents and maybe my preacher and this woman comes walking over to me and she shakes my hand and she said, everything's going to be okay. I just wanted to let you know and walks away. And when I looked down, there was $40 in my hand. And I had $40 in the bank. She doubled my life worth in one handshake. And she had no idea she did that. Why? Because you don't understand how God works. And when God says, give that person $40, you know what I've learned? Pull out my wallet and give that person 40 bucks. Why? Now, God doesn't always say that. Thankfully, praise the Lord. All right, I'd be broke. But you know what? There are times in my life where God says, hey, do that for that person. You know what I've learned to do just to go ahead and do it? Why? Because I don't understand how God works. That's why you've got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. That's why you've got to be... You know what? By the way, you can discern that about somebody. Somebody in church. You see them. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out they're having a bad day. And you're, you're, during handshaking time, you see them, and then... The Holy Spirit says, you know what? Take that person out to lunch after church. You know what you ought to do at the back door? Say, hey, you got time to go to lunch with me after church? I just, you know what? Why? Just follow what he's leading you to do. And even he doesn't say that. You ever just been out somewhere and you have a track in your pocket and the Holy Spirit says, give that person a track? Amen. Oh, I, now, who is that? That's the Holy Spirit. Yesterday, I was at a Dollar General on the north side of Jasper there and I was getting conditioner or something Samantha needed anyway and I put it up there on the counter and um you know I invited the woman to church I didn't know her and uh she said oh yeah I'm just covering for a friend he, her son broke his arm in a, in a four-wheeling accident today and I said oh okay I said well let me give an invitation to church here and it, and I said you have a church you go to and she goes oh no I don't go to church anywhere and I was like well you know in our, in our old crazy world I think it'd be a good thing to do don't you and she goes yeah yeah I think it would well, then I'm walking out and I hear a guy talking to me and he was standing behind me in the line and he starts talking to me. He says, yeah, I think, I think you're right, man. I think people just need the Lord. And so he started talking in the parking lot of Dollar General and, you know, I talked to him and nice guy and he said, I said, hey, let me invite you to the man event. Ran over to my car, grabbed a, didn't have a man event paper, so I just grabbed a, a track and I gave it to him and I said, go on this website and you can check it out. And he's like, oh yeah, thanks, I'll do that. I didn't know that guy was standing behind me listening to my conversation I was having with her. But God used that to get a hold of him. And they gave me an opportunity to talk to him. You know, that's how God works. We could go story after story. I'll give you one. I've shared it in church probably before. Uh, There was a young lady. Uh, Actually, I'll I'll, I'll skip that one. I got lots of them. I remember one time I was in Lyme, Ohio. We were knocking on doors, me and a, a guy from the church. And we knocked on a door and a young man named Anthony came to the door. And he was open. He was receptive. I invited him to church. I started giving, you know, asking him if he knew for sure he was going to heaven. He said, man, I have no idea. And we got to go through the, the gospel. And about half an hour later, he bowed his head and he asked Christ to save him. And I was like, man, this is great. This is wonderful. 
Those don't happen very often. Usually somebody stands on their porch and says, get, right? But you know what? But there are those that every now and then, I'd say probably one in a thousand or maybe even more that happen like that. Well, two weeks later, I go back to that house because I'm following up and I was in the area and I said, you know what? I'm going to stop in and check on Anthony. And so I stopped in, checked, uh, knocked on the door. A guy comes to the door that wasn't Anthony. And I said, hi, uh, I'm looking for Anthony. I'm from Living Hill Baptist Church. And he goes, Anthony, Anthony. And you could tell he was real thinking about it. He's like, I don't know any Anthony. And I was like, are you sure? I was like, because I'm, I mean, I wrote the address down and I'm pretty sure I did. This is the house. And he goes, you know what? He goes, my son had a friend over a couple weeks ago who lives in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, and he goes, I think his name might have been Anthony. And I'm just like, what if I hadn't gone souling that day? Amen. I would have missed him. Yeah. I would have missed Anthony. I remember one time going to a porch and leading a man to the Lord. And two weeks, a week, week or two later, I went back to follow up and talk to him. And he wasn't there. A young guy comes to the door. I got to lead him to the Lord. Because his grandpa, who I had led to the Lord a couple weeks ago, wasn't there. You know, folks, that's how God works. I remember one time getting kicked out of a trailer park. That's always fun. <laughs> Jerk on a lawnmower comes riding over and says, you need to leave. You can't be here. And I'm like, sir, we can, we can legally be here. We're not bothering anybody. It's the middle of the day. And he's like, I'm going to call the police. And anyway, he started yelling. And I just, you know, said, and I just learned to just leave, you know, and that's just better. And I'll come back later when he's not there. So, but you know what? I got an address from a, a young lady that we had talked to. We had met. And got her trailer number because she said her kids were interested maybe in coming to church. So we had an older couple in the church who didn't knock on doors. They didn't go soul winning. But they did go visit people. So we came. We had a Tuesday night visitation. They came to Tuesday night visitation. I, I gave them an address and said, hey, I've got an address out of a trailer park I got kicked out of, okay? Just to, just to warn you. But uh, I did get this address so you're not, you're not doing anything they don't want you to do. You're just going there to visit this person that we already know. Does that make sense? And he's like, yeah, that makes sense. Well, they go... And, and turns out this young woman was dealing with a lot of issues in her life and, 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 you know, like life is rough sometimes and she was dealing. Anyway, they go there, they visit her and they lead her to the Lord. And then we, we start getting, you know, working on her to get her to come to church and bringing her kids to church. And, and, uh, she, one day me and my wife pull up and she says, my husband really needs this. And I said, really needs what? Church? And she goes, no, she really needs what that person showed me when I asked Christ to save me. And I said, well, when's he going to be home? And she said, he'll be home on this day at this time. So the next week I came over at that day at that time, pulled up, walk up to the trailer park, and they're sitting on the porch. And she sees me coming. I don't think he knew that I was coming, but she sees me coming and she taps him on the shoulder and says, okay, I'm going inside. You talk to him. <laughs> she had him sitting out there waiting for me. And I got to lead him to the Lord. Amen. And you know what? It was all because I got kicked out of a trailer park one day. But God gave us a increase. Amen. God knows what he's doing. Now that's not a very conventional method to lead people to Christ. But you know what? God knows what he's doing. Paul speaks of his effort this way in, first, in Colossians 1.29. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Hey folks, listen. God works in us to work through us amen. and we ought to let him amen? amen verse number six he concludes what's the point of all this 
Cast thy bread upon the waters. Give a portion to seven and eight. If the clouds be full, they empty themselves. He that observeth the wind shall not sow. As thou knowest not the ways of the spirit or the bones, they, they, you don't know the works of God who maketh all. Verse number six. In the morning, sow thy seed. And in the evening, withhold not thine hand. For thou knowest not whether shall prosper either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. Hey folks, listen. The point isn't that everything works out. The point is for all of us to work out and then let God sort it out. I'll say that again. The point isn't that everything works out. Sometimes we want to see immediate results, right, don't we? How many of you, when you were a kid, you planted a seed in the ground and you got up the very next day to see if it did? That's, that's how we are sometimes spiritually. We're like, Lord, I did this. Come on, Lord, where's my fruit? All right. Well, I mean, some fruit you plant, it takes, it takes five to seven years before the tree even begins to produce fruit. In the Great Depression, a young man named Stanley Tam set out with $37 and a great trust in God that he would help him make it. As a young married man with a small business, he and his wife were living off $14 a week. Now remember, this is a different time period, but still not very much money. He decided to make God the senior partner of his company. That kind of sounds like a strange idea, doesn't it? His lawyers thought so too, by the way. He went to his lawyer and he said, I want to make God the senior partner of his company. And the lawyer said, I can't do that. He said, fine, I'll find another lawyer. He went to a lawyer and said, I want to make God the senior partner of my company. And the lawyer said, I can't do it. He said, look, I'm going to keep finding lawyers until someone tells me they can do it. Because I believe God wants me to do it. And the lawyer said, okay. And you know what? A few weeks later, he came back with a solution he said, hey, we figured out a way we can make a religious organization of your choosing to own 51% of the stock in your company. Therefore, all, God will be officially named the senior partner of your company. What happened to Stanley Tam? Stanley Tam would go on to give away more than $140 million to the Lord's work in his lifetime. I believe he died last year. He wrote a book called God Owns My Business. Today, if you drive down Interstate 75 in Ohio, just south of Lima, Ohio, I didn't know this guy, okay, all right, I just happened to live there. You'll see a large U.S. plastics warehouse, and written across it, it says, Christ is the answer. That is Stanley Tam's company that he founded, and God blessed. You see, Stanley Tam understood the Ecclesiastes 11 principles that God is trying to instill in our hearts today. Cast your bread upon the waters. Why? For thou shalt find it after many days.